Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi, welcome. I am so pumped to preach today and I believe that God's got something special just for you. And that I also believe with all my heart that He is still moving powerfully in the world around us. And we have just been blessed by the Robert Morris series. And I know that if you apply those godly principles, it will change your life. And I also want to say a big, big, big thank you to all of you that have sown so generously into the rock. Your generosity and faithfulness have allowed us to continue to impact our region in in an incredible way and make a difference in this world. And so thank you. Now, are you ready for the word? Say it like you mean it. My heart's open. My mind's ready, and I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to Joshua chapter 6, first verse. And it says this. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. It sounds like a pandemic, doesn't it? And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's kings and it's mighty men of favor. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go all around the city once. Then you shall do six days. Everybody say six days. Six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout a great shout. Then the walls of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now jump to verse 20, and it says this, So the people shouted, so the people shouted. Then the priest blew the trumpet and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. God called Israel and he said, it is time for you to step into the promises that I have for you. Can you imagine how excited they were after 40 years in the wilderness? When it was supposed to take them two and a half weeks, it took them 40 years. And they were still waiting to step into the land that God had promised them. A land that was, that was flowing with milk and honey. And God said, it's finally time for you to go in. But before you do, you have to march around the wall in silence for six days. Not only do you have to march around the wall for six days, but on the seventh day, you are to march around six times in silence. Then on the seventh time, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, that's when I want you to shout. And that's the breakthrough that you're going to experience. So the first day, they march around the wall. Then they go home. I can see them going, man, that was pretty boring. You know, then the second day, And they go and they just march around the wall. Third day, fourth day. Can you imagine the monotony? Can you imagine the repetition? Could you imagine how supernatural it was not? And I think one of the things that we miss is that because we have 
the whole Bible in front of us and we can see the end of the story, we know how it's going to end up and we're like, wow, the walls are going to come down. But for him, can you imagine them on that day? Four days, nothing has moved. Same for five days. Day six. And as I read this, I think to myself, how tempted were they to quit before they got to seven? How tempted were they to say, you know what? The wilderness, it's, it's not so bad. I mean, let's be honest, God's feeding us. We're getting food. They're getting manna. You know, it's getting delivered to us every day. You know, he's taking care of our enemies for us. You know, it's quite good where we are. I'm tired of, of this boredom, of this monotony, you know, where I'm just going nowhere and I'm going nowhere fast. I'm just going to stick back and settle where I am. And I believe I'm here today for someone, maybe that's you, and you're battling with the temptation of just settling with good enough. Well, I'm blessed. Why do I need to go beyond blessed? And you're battling with the temptation of saying, hey, where I am right now, is, it's not too bad. You know, I'm doing okay. Why, why should I, why would I expect anything more? You know, where my marriage is, is it's kind of right now. You know, it's, it, it's not as good as it could be, but it's not as bad as my parents' ma- marriage was. So, so I guess I'm just doing okay. This job that I'm, that I'm working with doesn't look like the promise that, that God had for me and that he gave me. But you know what? I'm getting a salary and, I, and I'm sort of paying my bills. And, and you know, there are people, well, let's be honest, that don't have a job during this pandemic. So I'll just guess I'm going to settle where I am because, you know, I'm just doing all right. And maybe you're looking at how God is using you and the lives that you've impacted. And it's not the dream that God gave you or the burden that, that he laid on your heart. You know, but it's more than what some people have. So maybe there's just good enough and maybe I should just stop and pause where I am right now. You know, in church culture, numbers are so important. And in the Bible, the number seven is the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. It's just full of all these awesome meanings that that you can see in it. And I think if the number seven, this is how I think, if the number seven is so great, why not just walk around the wall seven times and then shout? But what does the number six represent? And you know, without even jumping into the Bible, which I will do in a second, I believe that the number six represents discouragement. And in our story, the number six represents being on the verge of giving up, of quitting, you know, of settling and saying, ah, this is just good enough. Basically, the number six represents man. It is the number of man. It was on the sixth day that God created mankind. And mankind brought sin into the world. Six actually represents the limit of our ability. Here's what God said. He said in Exodus 34, 21, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. On the seventh day, give it to God. You've heard of the year of Jubilee. It was on the seventh year, every seventh year, all loans, all loans. Can you imagine student loans, house bonds, everything were canceled in Jesus' name? How many of you wish that they would bring back the year of Jubilee? I'm one. So God was saying to them, for six years, do everything you can in your own strength. 
And the seventh year is when I step in. Sick represents coming to the end of my hope, my strength, my ability, um, my gifting. And I feel that there's somebody listening to me right now, and you're in a sixth season. You are in a place where you say, man, I just don't have much more hope. I've got nothing to hold on to. I don't have much more faith. I don't have much more ambition. I'm getting ready to just settle here. And here's what I need you to know. When it's the darkness, that's when your faith should be the brightest. When it looks the worst that you can think of, that's when you're on the verge, I believe, of the greatest breakthrough that you could ever imagine. God is different to us. I'm not being disrespectful, but he's not like us in any way. He calls things that are not as though they are, Romans 4.17. He looks at dead things and calls them alive. When things are looking the worst, God gets the most excited. Here in Joshua chapter 6, we see that it says, The walls of Jericho were securely shut up. In other words, they were locked in. And God said, look, it's ready for you to take. And they're like, what? I mean, I can understand why. Because this is the strongest fortress in the world at that time. It is locked up. It's impenetrable. And God says, it is set up for you. It's set up for you to have a victory. And here's what we have to understand. If you live by what you see, we are going to be discouraged when times get very dark. Because it doesn't look like anything is going to be coming our way. It doesn't look like anything is going to work out. But here is what God's word says. It says this, and this is for us, that as believers, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we live by faith and not by sight. Can I be really honest with you? One of the things that is so tragic about this pandemic season is that so many believers are just living by what they see and are not anchoring what God's word says. So many are scheming in their own strength or they are paralyzed by fear. And, and we're hearing things like, well, you know, the world will never be the same again. And, and I'm not trying to minimize the severity of what's going on right now around us. I've had COVID. I've been in hospital. I was on oxygen for eight days. You know, I always wear my mask and I've washed my hands more than I've ever washed my hands in my entire life. But hear me. You've got to hear me. You need to get this in your spirit. God was God before the pandemic and he will be God after the pandemic. And the last time I checked, the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so things may not look good. But what I've noticed in my walk with Jesus is that when you're at, at your worst place, when, it, when, it's, when it's at its worst, it means that I'm, I'm on the verge of the greatest breakthrough that I've ever had. Have you ever heard about a man named Job? So I want to encourage you, if you're ever having a bad day, and I'm talking about a really bad day, and you think that life sucks, read the book of Job. It will encourage you. Because you will, you will realize, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than I thought I was. Hear me. The greatest blessings and the greatest breakthrough came on the other side of some of the darkest days that Job had. And maybe you find yourself just ready to give up feeling, I just can't take this. Whatever this, this is, hear me. Listen to me. Hold on. If you walk with God, you are on the verge of one of the greatest breakthroughs that you've ever seen.
when lockdown was announced, I was instantly gripped with a feeling of fear. How does the church continue? What happens with, with our vision, our plans, our purpose? But as I walked with God, I realized God didn't cause this pandemic, but he was going to use it. He was going to show his glory here on earth. Listen to me. Don't get locked in on your feelings and don't get consumed by what you see. God is up to something great in our world. He is up to something great in your life right now. So what I want to do is give you three quick thoughts on how not to miss what he is getting you ready for, for what he's about to do. I've got to be honest with you. He has great plans for every single one of you listening to me right now. But not everybody is going to be ready for the plans that he has for them. And my prayer, my heart's desire, my assignment is to set you up so that you don't forfeit the breakthrough that God has for you. And so my message today is going beyond six. Going beyond six. Don't stop at six. And I want to say to some of you, don't just stop with this message. Don't just stop with a Sunday service. You know, church was never, ever designed to be the destination of your faith. Not ever. It was always designed to be the launch pad of your faith. And some of you, when, when you go online or you go to church, you say, yay, wow, that was awesome. It feels so great. And that is good. I'm not taking away from that. But it's not the culmination of your faith. What you're experiencing now was designed to catapult you into all God has planned and purposed for you. So I want you to write down point number one. Number one, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. If we're going to be in position to take hold of all that, it, that, that God has for us, all that God has for you, don't fall asleep. When the last Star Wars movie came out, Jan and I decided to go and see it in 4X. I mean, it was going to be the experience of a lifetime. We had seen it advertised and we saw how the chairs moved and how they vibrated, how things uh, took place in sync with the actual movie. And I was full of expectation to see the Star Wars movie in all its glory. So we paid a premium to, to get these wonderful seats and we arrived early. And as I was waiting for the movie to start, I became very drowsy and fell asleep. I remember, you know, as the, the chair started to vibrate and, and shake around me, I woke up, but only for a short moment. And then I fell fast asleep again. This is true. Until the movie was over. Folks, this is true. I fell asleep waiting for the movie to start. And even those vibrating chairs didn't wake me for the entire movie. But truthfully, truthfully, it just lulled me into a deeper sleep. I had fallen asleep waiting for what I was in anticipation for. And so many of you, you're waiting on a spouse. You're waiting on that promotion. You're waiting on, on God to open the door. You know, you're waiting for South Africa to get back to normal so that you can do life and travel and, and, and do all that stuff. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And without even realizing it, you can fall asleep in the middle of our waiting. Matthew 26, 40 says this. When he, it's talking about Jesus, came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray lest you enter the temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There is no debate about it. The greatest event in the history of the world was about to take place. The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And do you know what the followers of Jesus were doing before the greatest event, you know, before the greatest victory that was ever going to take place? You'd expect them to be worshipping, you know. We think, well, if it was us, we would be reading the scriptures. We'd be pouring over the prophetic word. But let's be honest, the flesh is weak. They were asleep. And Jesus says, couldn't you just stay awake for one hour? And it's amazing how you can be on the verge of the greatest breakthrough. You have no idea it's coming. You've been praying for for years and years for, for God to send you a spouse. And your spouse is alive right now. She may be sitting near you and you didn't even know it. You can be caught sleeping. Do you know it's possible to have your eyes open and still be asleep? And some of you say, yeah, I'm doing that right now. Okay, that's you. But do you know it's possible to go to work, come home, kiss your spouse, tuck the kids in for bed, to live your life and still be asleep? Because the sleep that I'm talking about is not a natural sleep, but a spiritual sleep. And Jesus is talking about a sleep where we check out spiritually. It's where we just go through the motions. We put our hands up and we put our hands down. We just sing the songs. We're not in agreement. We open our Bibles. We close our Bibles. You know, we pray our prayers, but we do it with, without an expectation, without a zeal, without a hunger. There's no passion inside of us. And the Bible says in, in Revelation 16:5, look, I'm coming like a thief. Favored are those who stay awake and closed so that they don't go around naked and exposed to shame. Stay awake. When he's talking about clothes, he's talking about our righteousness. He's talking about our pursuit of God. And the breakthrough that God has for you is going to require the most godly version of you. God doesn't bring breakthrough for naked people, for those that are, that are living unrighteous lives. God doesn't open doors for people that are just focused on themselves, who are the center of their own universe as, as it is. He says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You need to be in an expectant position, not leaning back with your arms folded, but on your feet, ready for what's coming next. Are you in an expectant position spiritually? You know, Are you in that position when you go into your prayer time? On Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, are you saying, God, I'm full of expectation for what you're going to do in my life. I don't know what it is, but God, whatever it is, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to make the moves. I'm ready to move forward. I'm going to be the best version of me. Somebody watching me just say, stay awake. The second thing that I want you to write about is this. Number two, got your pen? Get ready to shout. Get ready to shout. It's not just important to stay awake, but it's vital that you are ready to shout. Here's what God said. March around for six days in silence. And I believe he told them to keep quiet because their words would have stopped the blessing. 
It's amazing how we pray one thing and say something else. We pray, God, if you could just, you know, get me into that cottage. God, if you could just help me with this job. God, if you could just help me get this internship that I've been longing for. God, if you could just open the doors for my business to get new business. And then when we're talking to our friends, we're saying things like, how can anybody expect to grow a business in this climate? In today's world, it's impossible for this and that to happen. Or, you know, I've applied, but I know 15 people who've applied for this job, and they weren't accepted. Our words are not backing up what our faith is saying we are believing God for. What negative info are you sharing or texting on social media? You're praying a prayer, and then all of a sudden, you're texting stuff that somebody else says. Does it build faith, or does it build fear? Does it back up what you're believing God for? So this was the instruction. When you hear the trumpet blast, shout! Have you ever been to a live sporting event? I enjoy ESPN, but I've never really watched baseball live. I remember taking Jan and my boys to a New York Mets versus Phillies baseball game. And to be honest, Jan moaned all the way there in the subway. Complain, complain. We didn't have very good seats Actually, we were so high up on the stands and so far from the field that we need, needed oxygen masks to sit where we were sitting. We also didn't know all the rules of the game. But boy, did we get into it really fast. So much so that I found myself shouting out of reaction and excitement. When they shouted, I shouted. When they didn't shout, I didn't shout. Now, Jan enjoyed the game so much that she just shouted. She shouted with excitement for everything that she saw. You know, everything that was taking place on the pitch was like, whoa, while, while she munched on the biggest hot dog that I'd ever seen. I was like looking at her thinking like, who is this woman? And here's what God told the children of Israel. March around six times and on the seventh time, when you hear the trumpet shout, that doesn't make sense. Because a shout is about something exciting. It's when you say, whoa, that was good. Yeah, then you shout. But they didn't get to shout because they saw something. They had to shout because they heard something. Did you get that? They didn't shout because they saw something. They had to shout because they heard something. Listen to me. Anybody can shout after they see something. Anybody can shout after the healing, after the promotion, after the breakthrough, after the marriage is restored, after the miracle. You know, it, it, it's easy to shout after something good has happened. But it takes faith to shout when nothing has changed. It takes faith when, when your prayers for that, that same relationship to be restored hasn't happened. And it seems to be getting worse and worse, not better. But you, but you stay in that place of praise. God, I thank you. I thank you that you've gone before me. I thank you that I can trust your word. It takes faith to shout preemptively. I'll say it this way. There is a reactive praise and there is a preemptive praise. A reactive praise is, well, God, you did it. God, I'm so grateful that you have come through. A preemptive praise is, God, I don't have to see what you do to believe it. 
God, I'm going to praise you even before I see it because I know that you are able. I know that, that you are not like me. I know, God, that you cannot lie. And if you said it, it's as good as done. I'm going to praise you in this moment. I'm going to thank you and I'm going to shout as if it's already been done. And God says, here's what I want you to do. When the time is right, shout as if the miracle has already happened. If you're going to step into the breakthrough that God has for you, you're going to have to learn how to shout by faith and not by reaction. A shout is an expression of joy. It's exhaling of praise. It's a release of air. And I don't believe that a shout is just a sound. I believe it's an action of faith. So I believe for some of you, you, your shout that you give, your shout may be your words. Someone says, you know, I see you still got that sickness that that's, you've been battling with for a long time. And you, I know, but I'm trusting God. He's going before me and he will heal me. I will be healed in his name. I will be healed by his stripes. This wall is coming down. Well, you know, this economy is horrible and, and there's no way that your business could ever flourish. No. I believe God is opening a way. I believe he's opening a way that no man can open. And sometimes your shout is speaking according to faith instead of sight. Sometimes your, you, you, your shout is, is praising God when everything in the natural says you have no reason to praise him. Thanking God, God, I bless you that, that you're a healer, even though there is still sickness in my family or in my body. God, I praise you as my provider, even though I've just lost my job. Whatever it may be, what is your step of faith? What is your reaction to God? Because I'm not praising God for what I see, but I'm praising God. I'm praising God, and it's based on what I've heard. I've heard that you're good, God. I've heard that you're faithful. And so I'm challenging you, don't forget to shout. The last thing is this. If you're writing it down, write down point number three. Victory takes work. Victory takes work. Just picture this. They march around the wall six days in a row in silence and nothing happens. I have found that miracles oftentimes look so boring. I remember once being called to a home where the baby had been born with brittle bone disease. The parents phoned and asked me to come and pray for the child. And I remember looking at this child in this little cot. And this little body was covered in plaster of Paris. It had been crushed coming down the birth canal. And I thought to myself, God, help me, help me. I felt so insignificant. I prayed, but there were no lightning flashes. There, were, there was, you know... No change in this little one as I looked at it. I left feeling so inadequate. But from that day, that baby's bones grew stronger and stronger. He was completely healed. He's now in his mid-twenties, fully healed. There was nothing supernatural when I prayed. Guess what? Miracles mean nothing to God. God can do them in his sleep. Now, he doesn't sleep, we know that. But it doesn't take any effort for him. So Israel is marching around the wall six times. And on the seventh time, the trumpet blows. And they shout and all the walls come crashing down. 
And sometimes you read the story in the Bible and it looks good. And I can just imagine being in that moment. Can you imagine how awkward that was? You're on one side of the wall and the enemy are on the other side of the wall. And then all of a sudden there is no wall. And you're now looking at the enemy in the eyes. The greatest miracles, I believe, ever in their life had taken place. What do you do in the moment? Here's what we think. The walls have come down. Whoa, victory has been won. You know, that was an awesome miracle. Well, God, it's all over. I have a job. You know, I've been healed. I've opened up this new business. I've got the sales that I need. Watch this. When the walls came down, it wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning of the story. It was in that moment, you know, that they had to rush in and take hold of all that God had just given them. They had to now fight. They had to fight the enemy. Joshua 6.20. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Here's our problem. We think the miracle is the end of the story. God has moved. So now I can just sit back. No, no, no. A miracle is when God opens a door of opportunity. The question is, are you ready to step in and take hold of what God has for you? I've called this message going beyond six. But we could call it going beyond seven. Because seven isn't the end. It's just the beginning. And so God, I'm praying for my spouse you know, where's my spouse? God, God, where is she? God, where is he? I'm praying and praying. God will send them. And I believe that. But guess what? You have to build a relationship and a marriage. And you can't buy one on Amazon. There's no instructions included. It's like, you know, ordering furniture online. And then you have to build it in faith. You have to figure it out. And you may be dreaming about a dream job. Listen to me. It's on its way. But when God opens the door, you have to be in a position to take hold of that. And some of you have broken relationships. Maybe it's with your kids or your spouse. I don't know, whoever. I believe with all my heart, God can and will heal it. But when he does, it will take your effort. It will take your humility and your unforgiveness to be able to build it. And for many of you listening to me, it's kind of dark in the world right now. And you look around and, and there's not much to give you hope. For you, it's, it's scary. This pandemic is discouraging. Listen to me. This will pass. There will be a miracle on the other side. But the question is, are you going to be in a position when it comes and it's going to come like a thief in the night to take hold of all that, Paul said, has taken hold of us, Philippians 3.12. And so I want to say to you, let's go beyond six. Let's go beyond seven. Let's be a people that aren't asleep, that we are a people ready to shout, and we are ready to fight for our future. Are you? Let's pray. God, you know, I'm so grateful God, I'm so grateful that you're not intimidated by our problems. You're not put off by our setbacks. In fact, you do your best work when it's the darkest. I pray right now that you would encourage every single person listening right now, especially those that have been lulled to sleep by the monotony of life. Let us know within our spirit that we are not on the edge 
of, of, of destruction, but on the edge of breakthrough. We are on the edge of one of the greatest moments in history. And I pray that you would wake us up, that we would stir our faith, that we would speak and shout and move and not become, you know, uh, people that are just, just looking for what we can see. No, it's not because of what we see, but because of what you've said. Give us hands of war. Give us the ability, God, I pray, to steward the miracle that is coming our way. Give us the ability, God, to move ahead in all that you place before us. We are trusting you for divine acceleration, that you would move on our behalf and that we would be a people that are ready when you do what you're about to do. May our lives, God, I pray, reflect you in every way and may we live clothed in your goodness. May we be a righteous people, not exposed and naked to the world that is around us. I want to say to you, why don't you just pray right now? Are you hearing me? Just, just pray this simple prayer right now and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me right now? Let's just pause for a moment and make this message personal to you. And for some of you, God is saying, hey, come on, wake up. Put your spiritual clothes back on and lean into my presence there's something that's on the way for you. For some of you, I believe, you know, you've never fully ever really surrendered to God. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you grew up in a church and you know all the right words and actions, but you've never surrendered fully to the God of the church. Or maybe just everything is new. You were just browsing online or somebody invited you into church and Perhaps you've been around the church for some time, but, but you can't say that, you, that you've taken that step to that place of surrender to God. And in this moment, you just deepen your spirit. You're saying, you know, I want to see God work in my life. I want to see God work in my life the way that you're talking about. You know, I want to know him. I, uh, I've tried in my own strength, but I've, I've just come to the end of myself. If that's you, it would be my greatest pleasure and privilege to introduce you to God. I believe it's him who has set this moment up just for you. And if you say, Mark, that's me. I've been on the edge of my relationship with God, but today I'm ready to go fully in. Then if that's you right where you are right now, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for dying on the cross. So that all my sins, all my mistakes can be erased. I ask you to forgive me my past. And today I surrender. I give you control to be the Lord and the Savior. And I pray that you will use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise God for the decision that you've made. I want to encourage you to stay online, maybe text um, somebody in the chat room that you're at of the decision that you've made. But remember this, as we go from here, don't forget to share hope, show kindness, and let's shine Jesus.